listen to me. Trader, I believe that you've received the death message from our ninja empire. Ninja is supreme and you have double-crossed it. Why did you do that? I have to reform the ninja empire. That is why I took away it. That is why I took away it. The golden ninja warrior. The golden ninja warrior. You've got three days in which to return the golden ninja warrior. Right? Or else you die. What, 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 what is that? Or else you die. Go, go, go to hell. Welcome to the Golden Ninja Podcast 2 on Diamond Ninja Force and Ninja Commandments. And for this series, we aim to go through the different phases at IFT, from the phase where uh, were ninjas were the popular thing to the phase where they tried out a kickboxing tint to their cut and paste movies and they also created their own superhero but for now for episode two we'll stay in ninja territory to give you all yet another oral examination of cut and paste ninja action fun fun that is enhanced by the fact that paired up with the ifd footage that godfrey ho or joseph Lai directed are genres hardly associated with ninja action Genres being horror and melodrama. So therefore, we are discussing the movies Diamond Ninja Force and Ninja Commandments for this episode. And I'm Ken Beer. With me again is the owner and president of Neon Harbor and director of Ninja The Mission Force. So say hi, hi again, Ed Glazer. Hi again, Ed Glazer. There you go, there you go. Uh, welcome back and thank you for coming back again. It's, uh, I, I think I uh, awake, <laughs> awakened more enthusiasm in it like... Yeah, one slot is not enough. You know, the oral examination kind of needs to continue for a few more episodes, at least. I'm glad you you uh, stayed on for at least two. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. And uh, let's uh, dive into it. There's not a, lo- a whole lot of history uh, compared to the first episode to uh, talk of here. Obviously, the the whole cut and paste angle that, that we are going to reference multiple times is about IFD acquiring old movies in this case from probably Taiwan both of them and cutting into them uh, their own footage uh, their own action footage with uh, ninjas and editing down the move the movie to 90 minutes and shooting them out onto the market as a new movie hence cut and paste or ninja exploitation and uh, that's uh, how Diamond Ninja Force and Ninja Commandments uh, fit into this whole thing but if you want to find out the entire history, and it's kind of a meaty piece of history on uh, this technique in IFD films and arts in general. Check the first episode again. And so uh, let's uh, do the contact information really quick. This is the Golden Ninja Podcast on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are located on podcastonfire.com. This show, all the other shows and the bonus episodes are on there. We are, uh, our email is uh, reachable at podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like our page, facebook.com uh, forward slash POF network. On that page, there is a link to the discussion group. So um, join the discussion, follow the show updates and what have you. And you can also type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box. And that will get you a group. And follow our tweets and, and uh, follow us in general at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing consisting of these kind of movies, Taiwanese movies, Category 3 movies, uh, Smart of the Highest or even Lowest Order, and and their random Hong Kong movies in, in general. Uh, they are all on SoGoodReviews.com, and I also do video reviews at SleazyKVideo.com. Nothing uh, extensive as of now. They're, they're merely mini commentaries on the movies that I write about. There's no on-camera version yet, but perhaps in, in the future I'll, I'll change that up. 
And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. The Golden Ninja podcast wasn't on iTunes during episode one. We are now after the application process and all of that. So you can subscribe to this show specifically on iTunes, uh, but also follow the larger gathered podcast on fire network feed if you want to if you want to get the show that way and all the other shows and uh, rate and subscribe uh, please and if you have the time please leave a written comment uh, about uh, the show what you thought of it and all of that and we're also by now on stitcher you can stream us online via stitcher radio or down- download the application to your iphone ipad or android and once you're in stitcher type in podcast uh, sorry type in the Golden Ninja Podcast, and that will get you the option to add us to your favorites. And before we go on, uh, remind listeners uh, where you are on the web at. You can find uh, me, my work, my films, and web series, including Ninja the Mission Force, at neonharbor.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash neon underscore harbor, and Facebook at facebook.com slash neonharbor. Excellent. So let's uh, jump into it and uh, let's um, try and uh, this is essentially me speaking to myself editing this. Let's try and have some fun with some sound bites and some uh, probably stolen music from the movies that we are going to cover. So uh, let's take therefore a short quote break or musical break before we discuss Diamond Ninja Force from 1986. Welcome back, and we are going to talk Diamond Ninja Force from 1986 and plot from my review of the film. It's a miracle if I get together a plot at all, but it's an extra plus miracle if I manage to summarize an IFD movie. Sometimes it's goddamn difficult to do so, and uh, uh, no one can blame me for thinking, like, what is going on in these movies? Uh, and to write about that that's, that, that's the challenge in itself. So, But anyway, I got it together. On a construction site, uh, human bones are found that turns out to belong to the descendants of the Black Ninja Clan that are headed by actor Kong Do, which I believe is Donald Kong in the credits. And uh, you can see him in a bunch of IFD movies. You can see him in a bunch of Philmark movies and also regular Hong Kong action movies of the 70s and 80s. He's a familiar face. Uh, A house is built upon the land eventually by billionaire Bernard Wong. So in order to get the land back, the Black Ninja Clan evokes devil magic and gets ghosts to kill Bernard Wong. The daughter moves in, who I believe is called Fanny, sweet name. And the family's uh, patient, uh, her husband and their kid. The husband is, is George, and the kid is, what is the kid's name? At Bobo. <laughs> you know, even Italy did this with House by the Cemetery when they called the kid uh, Bob. <laughs> you know, in the Lucio Fulci movie House by the Cemetery, the kid was called Bob, which uh, for like for a seven-year-old kid. So, so I think it was not the first one to go Bobo, Bobo, if you will. Uh, family's patience and psyche, uh, it's uh, tested as the devil, magic, ghost, and spirits do their worst to drive the family away from the land. The Diamond Ninja Force that are led by Richard Harrison's Gordon 
He uh, vows to protect the family, however. But he never really interacts with them because these are different movies. Uh, they have um, phone conversations uh, with each other uh, to, a, to a point, but barely. You know, So again, the cut and paste fun here means that two movies are trying to interact. <laughs> I've been trying to make us think that this is one movie. And uh, I'm not ever sure Ed, that um, audiences back then were ever fooled. I doubt it very much. I know you kind of caught on to it quick, and uh, I was for a bit, though, when I first saw it, because I didn't pick up on the fact that they were different movies, but uh, the, I saw Ninja Terminator like in the mid-90s. Someone bought me a DVD of it, and I watched this. Oh, that's kind of silly. Well, there's some ninjas, and there's a guy in a blonde wig, and then just threw the DVD away. I didn't know any better. Then many years later, things changed. Now, when you say uh, that the Diamond Ninja Force is led by Richard Harrison, what you really mean is the Diamond Ninja Force consists solely of Ninja Harrison, or Richard Ninja Harrison, Richard <laughs> Harrison. Ninja Harrison should be his uh, fantastic nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not a big uh, big force or big clan. I mean, they are said to have a history dating at least a century back. But uh, but yeah, I mean, even the Black Ninja Clan is uh, bigger. I mean, he's got his uh, at least four five uh, henchmen that uh, Richard Harrison puts on his death list, uh, including your buddy Andy, Andy Chorowski, who's in this movie. That's right. He, he did dubbing uh, maybe for this movie and other movies, but uh, you interviewed him. But uh, here he's actually on screen uh, getting, uh, uh, getting killed by Richard Harrison eventually because he is on the death list after all. Absolutely. Uh, the thing is, I with this series, I also intend to highlight the source movies if I can because it deserves... Um, that voice, and uh, that's part of my kind of crusade against the misinfo that, um, as we talked about during episode one, where rumors say that these were unfinished movies, that uh, IFD stole these movies, uh, but in reality, they were a business, and uh, if you're a real business, you don't go around stealing movies left and right and putting them out as your own. They acquired them from Taiwan, maybe in a, if they were from Taiwan, maybe in a package uh, for of 10, 20 movies that they had to do something with. Because they got the action, they got melodrama, they got horror, they got a variety of genres. Uh, but the thing is, for Diamond Ninja Force, uh, no one has yet um, been able to identify the source movie. Uh, some rumors state that it is a Taiwanese movie, which could be very much true. I don't recognize any cast members as such, but uh, that's the closest clue uh, towards finding out uh, what the source movie is. It is... Uh, there are some Taiwanese players there, according to Hong Kong Movie Database, but that's as far as uh, we've got at uh, this point. I'm not terribly depressed about that, but uh, as always, I would would like to find out and even see how the original plays out sans ninjas, but uh, this is uh, what we have at this point. Uh, but uh, anyway, we are going into rev review therefore directly, and uh, as uh, we did last time, I had uh, a little uh, bite-sized uh, opinion about the quality of this particular IFD product, which is, may not be uh, a grade that you can apply to normal movies. I don't know how you see that, but um, go ahead. What's your brief opinion of uh, Diamond Ninja Force, despite? It was all right. I, you know, definitely not one of the better entries, but uh, I enjoyed the, the ninja stuff, brief as it was. And um, the horror movie is, you know, very kind of poltergeisty uh, with a with just a dash of sleaze, which always helps. Um but it's not uh, especially compelling. It's uh, It still remains fairly close to one of my favorites just because the, of the following. Because um, I'm, like, per default drawn to whenever IFD combine their ninja action 
with a widely different genre. You know, the more distant the genre was from action, the better. And that's why I like that this uh, like this movie in particular because again, it combines with a with a ghost movie, a horror movie, and uh, but the the IP footage is, is standard. Uh, it's recognizable. They weren't like trying creative, be creative about their footage, but it's it's fun while it lasts. And, uh, and as you said, the Taiwanese horror movies, um, it, you know, uses uh, familiar haunted house tactics with some added sexiness to it, which uh, I fairly agree is uh, is welcome. Kogan, why are you here, and how can I help you? Use your devil magic. You must help me. Who's my target? It's Bernard Wong and his whole family. There's two million in it for you. That's not enough for killing Wong. Wait a minute. Okay, make it three, if you help us out. So let's uh, dive even more into it. I, I sometimes said I look at these movies with uh, a fascination in terms of how IFD retooled the original plotting of the movie they acquired, or if they retooled, or just simply threw out the original plotting of the original uh, movie and uh, did their own. My experience has been, and uh, maybe you can relate to this somewhat, that sometimes they just dubbed in Ninja here and there uh, over the original uh, footage. They obviously connected uh, the movies through conversations meant to be in the same room, but obviously the IFT footage was clearly someone just uh, sitting in front of or standing in front of a similar background and talking to the source movie with a widely different uh, uh, print quality as well. Still, when I look at uh, the original horror movie, I, I can... My theory is that it's um, sort of a they they built this house on an ancient burial ground or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so in that respect, I don't think IFT did a lot with the original movie. They just added the fact that the Black Ninja Clan are after them rather than whoever was after them in the Taiwanese movie, if it indeed was a Taiwanese movie. So uh, what's your take on that? Right, absolutely. Uh, in my experience, it seems like the the films when they would. Uh, rework them. They really only kind of added ninja things to the dialogue, um, a brief mention to the Golden Ninja Warrior, something along those lines. And uh, yes, in, in this case, I think they just took the film, uh, and instead of it being a ghost, it's a ninja ghost. It's a ghost ninja. Ghost, excuse me, <laughs> ghost ninja, which is an alternate title of uh, this film. Although um, I had a DVD that was under that name, but then you put it in your DVD player and watch the movie, and the title comes up, Diamond Ninja Force. So uh, they weren't uh, they were they were too lazy to um, apply that title to the print of the film itself. But uh, sometimes they do seem to recreate them to a larger degree. I think Ninja Terminator, as we discussed during episode one, it's not. I mean, it, you you can sort of see the source plot, but it seems like they were trying to recreated a little bit more than some of these movies and compared to this one as well. You know, Ninja Commandments, for instance, it operates almost solely on its own. Uh, it, no, barely any interaction or any interaction with uh, the IFT footage. They just play out as two movies uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing their thing, which is uh, a minor delight. But uh, there, there is some uh, initial, uh, you know, awkward delight by IFT as uh, Richard Harrison uh, is uh, with his wife outside walking in Hong Kong in what I think is around um, about the time they probably shot Ninja Terminator because uh, Richard's wife is played by the same actress and Richard looks uh, kind of similar. So Richard is approached by Kong Do, his uh, sort of 
chubby Adidas wearing henchman, which is credited as Melvin Pitcher. Uh, John Ladalski, uh, from fairly familiar Western face in Hong Kong movies, uh, is uh, there as well, and they claim he's a ninja. And obviously that leads to a variation of the Ninja Terminator line and also the line that you took for Ninja the Mission Force and, and made a running joke of. Uh, she doesn't ask, what's a ninja? But uh, she asks uh, Richard, you know, what are they talking about? And I think he says, don't worry about that, it's just a fairy tale. Hey, you... Somebody tells me that you're a ninja, right? Gordon, what are they talking about? Just a fairy tale. And that always tickles me because a fairy tale, really. I mean, not a legend, not a myth, but they're literally a fairy tale. I don't know why that definition tickled me so much throughout these movies, but it did. No, I, I hear you. Um, you know, one of the other things about that scene that I found particularly interesting is that uh, IFT fans will remember that pretty much every time there's a fight, um, Richard Harrison... Uh, gears up in his ninja outfit and then once the fight begins he's suddenly doubled by an agile Asian man mm -hmm. uh, and this is one of the rare instances where Richard Harrison does his own uh, fighting because he's not ninjaed up at this point no no uh, no turnaround and transformation into the ninja so you're right and he's a I gotta say it I mean in the context of the ID catalog, because we never saw this happen, I think for the 10 seconds that it lasts, it looks like it's a pretty good brawler, if anything. It, it, you know, it's a fairly big guy, and a, a, it's, it's somewhat powerful, this. It's not a Sammo Hung type of choreographed scene or anything, but uh, it's very welcome to say, hey, Gordon kicks ass. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he is... Uh, he's been the star of uh, all kinds of Italian genre films, um, spaghetti westerns and spy movies and so forth. So uh, fight scenes aren't uh, totally unusual for him. And uh, that's how, how we kind of start the movie. That's how we kind of uh, get the lead in into the George, Fanny and Bob story. And it's funny to hear uh, Bob being announced on the radio news broadcast already because it's a famous family and uh, you hear, hear it on the radio that George and Fanny are coming back uh, to Hong Kong and their kid Bob and that's just hilarious in itself like okay I'm, I see I'm in you pick outrageous silly names Bob is for some reason because it's a kid up there with uh, with uh, silly things that tickled me at least as a, as a diehard a hardcore fan of this you know but for Ninja Commandments it, be, it becomes even more silly in terms of uh, what what the adult names uh, are in that movie but we'll, we'll get to that what gets me is that uh, it seems like every other female character in IFT films is named Fanny and what's striking about that is that well in America uh, Fanny is also sort of a slang term for bottom um, in British slang it means vagina and because these movies were dubbed in Hong Kong with a fairly uh, British cultural uh, sort of deal, uh, I wonder was that was that uh, was that a thing there as well? Uh, I don't get it, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm miss I'm sure I'm missing something there. You wonder. I don't know when that uh, if, if that changed later on as the decade uh, uh, rolled along. If that became a, a slang for. Um for vagina and bottom respectively i don't know i, I but uh, regardless it, it's there it's immortalized so it's uh, cool that we have it as for the source movie taiwanese or not uh, it's it's enjoyable to watch for me because of the fact that it's paired up with 
Richard Harrison and Godfrey Ho, so to say. Uh, but uh, th- there are only, to be very fair, some cheesy but sort of fun haunted house tactics present here. And for, for my money's worth, I mean, it's never really scary to see cutlery and kitchens appliances floating in the air and people acting hysterically. But the, that's kind of from my viewpoint that it's probably a lot more fun to watch than it would have been watching it on its own as a very serious and stoic and trying to be scary movie. But here it kind of works as, a, as it becomes part of the cheesy fun. But how, how did you feel watching the uh, the source movie footage? Is it at all uh, fun to, to see these uh, haunted house shenanigans? To a point. Um, I, I agree with what you said about it sort of not being especially effective on its own. Um, you know, honestly, part of it is because uh, by this point, we've all seen this before. Um, certainly there are, again, poltergeist-style elements that uh, we've seen before in that particular film. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a ghost. We see somebody walking up the stairs, but the other person didn't see it. And, um, you know, those those sort of, uh, as you say, shenanigans are very familiar um, and not particularly uh, effective. Yeah, it, you see it definitely in a lot of even pre um uh, poltergeist movies, and this might even be pre-poltergeist, to be honest. might be early 80s, late 70s. It's kind of hard to see. But they tr- they rely on things like lighting the ghost uh, in green, you know, just uh, shoving a light in her face, essentially, and uh, relying on jarring camera work, which is, which is normally just a jarring zoom in and loud noises, and hysterical acting, which doesn't at all you know, register on the scary scale. I have to say my favorite bit, though, is, because I'm I'm not uh, a creepy crawler guy, the maggots coming out of the faucet. Oh, I had to look away for yeah, that. That was excellent, because we're not talking like, let's make some fake maggots and put that on the actor and make those come out of the faucet. No, 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 no. These are live crawling, whatever kind of maggots they are, I don't know, but uh, they give me the willies. Uh, so. uh, yeah, Ugh. You know, I would never do that in a million years. Like, uh, let's just feel, you know, if you call me up for Ninja of a Mission Force, and we're going to do a scene where we put maggots on your hand. Is that cool? No, it's not. It's not cool at all. You know, get Brad Jones to do that. I'm sure he's right. Space. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't film it either. I wouldn't, I couldn't look into the camera. You, know, you can ask your wife to direct that particular scene. Right. <laughs> because we got to, we got to get it in there. It's part of the IFD mythology. <laughs> mythologies. Exactly. You know, um, the, the thing is that, you know, we're talking kind of about the, the, um, uh, the horror gimmicks that they're doing, but um, the uh, ostensible premise is that this woman's bones have been unearthed and she's maybe got powers or something, but in any case, she's coming back as a ghost mm-hmm. and kind of masterminding this whole haunting. And it might be nice really to know what her deal is. I mean, I, I get that there's there might just be some simplicity to her bones are unearthed, so now she's a ghost, but I wonder if there's more to it than that that is not uh, shown in the edited down version of the film. Uh, that, that always makes me curious because I like Taiwanese genre cinema of the 70s and 80s, and uh, if this again, if this indeed is Taiwanese, uh, you certainly don't see any Hong Kong talent there, and it doesn't feel Thai or Filipino or what have you. It just feels uh, located, you know, Hong Kong or, or Taiwanese. It feels like that. But I'm, I'm always curious about that too, and uh, it reminded me of uh, of a movie that I know, uh, a source movie that I know of. Uh, I saw uh, the IFD movie Kickboxer from Hell recently, which is indeed. 
a kickboxing action plot, kind of. He, he, he fights with Satan, though, but he is a kickboxer. And there is a Hong Kong uh, haunted house movie underneath it that is identified. And it uses, and it's from 1975, and it uses some of the same stuff that this one uses. It's uh, not a carbon copy at all, but uh, having, having seen that so closely to seeing this, I was kind of like, I don't, they didn't have much in their bag of tricks uh, unless they were Shaw Brothers because Shaw Brothers when they made horror movies they kind of knew uh, how to script some things that felt a little bit fresh anyway but here it's like low budget and green green ghosts are not particularly scary for me you know it's not a precursor to the to the long-haired ring girl yeah you know that that uh, after a while wasn't scary either but uh, it's um one day maybe we'll get to see this uh, in some shape or form whether subtitled or not but uh, it's uh, partly as we said a sleazy movie too because out of the blue i don't know if uh, if we're gonna talk how ifd plot this obviously kong do from his uh, black ninja lair with his samurai sword is conducting the ghost ninja. But I don't know if he actually conducts the fact that uh, she's a horny ghost, too, that she's a sexually charged ghost, or if she was left to her own devices at that point. But as a matter of fact, we get that type of scene, and uh, you kind of sit up and uh, take notice at that point, or <laughs> what do you forget? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, well, what, ha- and, and as, I, as I recall, how it plays out is that there's a sex scene between the husband and wife, which is itself kind of strange because the wife's been in like complete panic mode for the past several days in her haunted house. But in any case, uh, they have sex and the uh, female ghost kind of sneaks in and is very interested in, in what they're doing and then starts undressing and, uh, and touching herself as well. And then uh, at some point later on, she ends up possessing the wife so that uh, she can have her way with the husband. Yeah, I do exactly because I don't remember if they cut to Kong Do like aiming his sword like he usually uh, does in the scenes where he's conducting the ghost ninja. It seemed like he was, you know, taking a nap at that point, and the ghost ninja was free to do her own thing, I suppose. But uh, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of cool, and uh, as a concept, I do like how it intensifies as has. As the family breaks down and just literally uh, become, you know, scared shitless after a while, you know, and uh, they aren't allowed to leave. And uh, the, the, that basic standard horror template in the right hands could be really, really affecting. Uh, it doesn't seem like even if we were to see the original that this would rival you know, an, an amateur horror or anything in its uh, relentlessness. But uh, I, I, I like some of the Concept stuff here. Annie, Gordon here. Anything happened? George and Bobo were attacked by ghosts. Well, how are they? Bobo was poisoned. George seems to be in a state of shock. You better call a doctor. Right away. But what about the ghosts? If they come again, what am I gonna do, huh? I've sent a magician to help you. He's an expert, so just stay calm, will you? It uh, it does get a little bit silly, uh, or perhaps sillier, because after uh, the husband and uh, the ghost-possessed wife uh, make it, um, we see the, the next morning that the wife wakes up in her bed. Uh, the husband is not there. She goes around looking for him, and we see him uh, naked, draped over an enormous rock at the <laughs> edge of uh, the water. There's a, a sort of beachfront area, and uh, we thought, what What was he having sex with? Was it not a woman? Was it this giant boulder? That's got to be painful. <laughs> 
I love the dialogue. I think uh, even if it's not verbatim, but he essentially says like, well, she felt so real. She felt like you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say, oh, oh boy, <laughs> you know, things aren't going so well with the wifey. So whatever type of, if you can get that feeling, if even if it's a ghost, <laughs> with a ghost or not, then, then I suppose all, all's good. But um, it felt so good with her. It's it, it it it's funny to watch, and I mean, obviously, we don't get uh, an extended movie here. It's ninety minutes of calculated fair fun across the board, you know, and that, uh, and, and including, by the way, we'll, we'll get back to the IFD footage shortly, but including uh, the priest that they um, bring in to uh, to bless the place and put uh, parchments on top of uh, uh, on top of uh, there's at least one door in the house to keep the ghost away. They dub him Magic Chen. Which is not even priest Chen, but magic Chen. Yeah, magic Chen. Which sounds, um, you know, not very dignified as uh, as a, you know, a, an exorcist or a priest that uh, know it all. It just sounds like, hey, you know, a, a guy that would point to the camera and and they're like with his finger, like, hey, I'm magic Chen. You know, come and list my services. They could have a spinoff sitcom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mrs. Wong, I brought magic Chen with me. Oh, magic chant? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, that, that's essentially the, the original movie. Let's go back to the IFD footage. It is rather calculated because you and I have seen our fair few movies and you realize some movies they're trying a little bit more, some movies they're not trying at all. They're just trying to push product onto the market. And uh, it can be argued to be the case here, um, not in all scenes, but uh, certainly it can be argued to be the case here. Uh, I like, though, we, we have an IFD kind of standardized um, thing here of uh, Richard Harrison or whoever is starring in the movie have to take out a certain amount of people in one movie and they always have photographs of these people. You know, they have a a bulletin board to kind of throw knives at or darts at. For once, we see uh, someone actually taking these photos because Richard Harrison takes them in, uh, uh, you know, he's hiding in the bushes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, you do never see them. They're always just like, here, this is this guy from this. Uh, oftentimes, it's uh, we're telling you about this guy from this other movie. Yeah. But uh, whenever there's a death list, it's all it's also always photographs. One odd thing is is, is, is the fight scenes in this one. Um, I applaud that they wanted to do it with as little doubling as possible, but at least three out of the let's say five fight scenes are not done with the Chinese doubles. They Richard Harrison versus uh, Pierre Tremblay and uh, even Andy Chorowski, who, who, who doesn't have a fight scene, but uh, he faces off versus that guy Melvin Pitcher and with a nunchuck. Uh, they, they try and do it for real, and, and to be honest, I applaud it, but it looks clunky, and you'd want the IFD action, the ninja action, to be uh, kind of acrobatic and exciting. But um, I don't know, what do you think? I don't applaud it, I think it's lazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that that was interesting. Um, the, the thing is that what ends up happening is because you've got the Caucasian actors being themselves or, you know, being just, you know, their characters and not ninjas, yeah. um, they don't really have any time to fight. You get Andy Shirovsky who just gets uh, shuriken or something thrown at him, yeah. and uh, that's it. That's the whole fight. That's done. It's just over. Yeah, he merely has a gun, and he hasn't time He hasn't time to draw it or anything. And it's not done in this great Sergio Leone-style a face off in a face. <laughs> Richard just throws it at him and Andy and he's gone. Exactly. You know, when I say applaud it, I think it's uh, cool that we get um, a little bit of change up for once. But thankfully, the Chinese doubles uh, do take over and uh, not only doubles, but we get, we get some on, uh, on-screen action 
from actors that we can recognize. There's an actor called uh, Shun Kwok Ming, who is uh, one of the people on the death list. And uh, has some uh, great um, weapons demonstrations and what have you. And uh, a terrific martial artist uh, to boot as well. So thankfully, the like last two fight scenes are what you associate with IFD. Like we see sh- shots of Richard, but when they start tumbling about, it's that exciting, uh, those exciting stuntmen doing their thing. You might not know if you haven't seen very many of these is that one of the most wonderful things about all of the, uh, about the fight scenes in these films is that usually the way they play out is one of the guys on the death list is just hanging out in a park doing martial arts demonstrations, uh, just waiting for the hero to arrive to fight. They're just, you know, playing with nunchucks, and then Richard Harrison walks in, and it's like, ah, yes, I've been waiting for you. Hey, all right, we're going to No, not now. even dialogue sometimes. They just... No, 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 right no, no, not, not dialogue, but that's sort of the, uh, the, the impression that you get. And, and it's over quick as well. And, you know, unfortunately, they don't do... Uh, normally, they probably didn't... Uh, uh, scheduled time to do a big like five minute fight scene uh, you know a big Jack Chan Samahong or Lao Garland fight scene but uh, what we get here is quite wonderful because uh, Shun Kwok Ming is a fantastic martial artist and uh, gets to uh, participate in some of the action here and uh, and for it was always good I, I think in terms of um, they gave stuntmen gigs you know and a chance to kind of develop at least the uh, future uh, director and actor Ridley Choi worked in the 80s at um, at IFT, uh, I believe. And uh, Ridley Choi, you might have seen it, and certainly viewers in a clip at least on the internet, he did a movie called No Regret, No Return, where it isn't him doing the stunt, but it's his movie, where he drives a car that hits a motorcycle full speed, and that stunt man goes over the car and lands horribly and hard on the ground. And uh, it, it's uh, Ridley's movie, and uh, while he didn't do that stunt, there's a lot of hair rising and just uh, painful stunt in that movie. Stunts in that movie, and he was an example of stuntmen that got a chance to uh, do their thing, a dive, the uh, acrobatic stuntman. And we we have them to thank for the fact that the action stands up still, even if it lasts for ten seconds uh, at a time. But it, it's really thrilling, to be honest. I love when whenever they do. Uh, uh, their acrobatic thing and tumbles and uh, and uh, what have you. Let's uh, play a little game here. Uh, did you add notice the fact that Richard Harrison? Because we we should track back. Richard Harrison wasn't you know pleased with his his experience at IFD. He came out there at least two times to shoot footage uh, for two or three movies. Maybe thought he his footage was reused for ten or fifteen movies or what have you. And this is one of the earlier examples I can think of where they really started to, you know, screw him over. Because there's at least four instances of, you know, footage from other movies with different hairstyles uh, of Richard's apparent in this movie. So can you name some of the movies that we have seen this footage uh, before? Sure, right. Um, well, there was a, there's a few shots from uh, uh, Ninja Thunderbolt, which is the first of the IFD ninja movies. Um, there's a bit where he walks into his ninja closet of ninja stuff and uh, the door opens and there's this god light coming from it <laughs> that he walks into and then walks out and he gets all ninjified. I thought it was his bathroom for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, it might be actually. You know, he just might keep his uh, his ninja gear on the the back of the door. <laughs> um, the it seems like a lot of it is from the Thunderbolt series, of which there were there were many films: Majestic Thunderbolt, um, Inferno Thunderbolt, Mission Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt goes to college, etc. Scorpion. 
Thunderbolt. Yeah, there, there you go, Scorpio Thunderbolt. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it seems like there was uh, some footage from uh, one or two of those that I, I couldn't identify off the top of my head, but certainly were familiar. You're, you're very right. And, uh, I've seen those um, used in other movies where it seemed like, okay, this is the movie they used them for, because in those movies, the hairstyle so were like consistent throughout the movie. Here, it changes from dark to light and back to light, back to brown back to light you know for you know in the opening scene richard hair richard hair is really really blonde it looks like and then they have some brief scenes from for instance majestic thunderbolt where it seems like it's way darker uh, he still has the mustache so they, they picked up on that fact hey we can't use any footage where he doesn't have a mustache we can't use ninja commandments in this one right because that would be ridiculous uh, um the uh i noticed that this was probably filmed back to back or uh concurrently with um uh ninja the protector mm-hmm. because you'll notice a number of the same actors and, and locations and so forth and to that end um there was there's some footage of a, a woman that also appears in ninja the protector who's i think wearing a bath towel or something and talking on the telephone yeah. and i I think that's some original IFD footage that's used a couple of times. Here, here it's like, uh, by the way, the context for that particular woman. She, uh, that's the character of Sally who lives next door to the other movie, and she's asked by Gordon to kind of look after them and see that everything is going well. I suppose she exits the movie after being uh, frightened by, by not the ghost ninja, but another ghost that might be from the original movie, or I hope IFD. Trying to make their own ghost. I doubt it very much. They're, they're never in the same shot together, obviously. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> There's also some uh, a shot or two that is either from or is reused in Ninja Champion, where Richard Harrison is on his Garfield phone, the infamous Garfield phone, holding a couple of pictures. Uh, those shots are used in the beginning for his brief cameo appearance in Ninja Champion. Yeah, neither movie has dubbing that matches, you know, it definitely doesn't match in Ninja Champion and the dialogue while it's looking at the photographs and this one doesn't match uh, either. So uh, it's, uh, you know, we might have been used a third or fourth time. But I, for my memory is that I've never seen a movie uh, from IFD where it's really evident that we're talking three or four different, like Richard Harrison's, if you will. I think this is one of the other ones where they really started to you know, mess with him, essentially, uh, which is uh, not great for him, but it's fun, sort of, I don't know, maybe I'm a horrible person, but I, but I think it's fun in the context of this whole history that uh, that's what they did, shamelessly. You know? Absolutely. In all honesty, I have no other notes. I, I do recommend it if you're interested in IFD's movies after having seen maybe Ninja Terminator and what have you. I think this has enough fun and enough uh, quotable moments certainly dialogue that's quotable and they, um, but maybe you still have to be you know fairly devoted I suppose before you take on Diamond Ninja Force it should maybe, maybe be your fifth or sixth IFD cut and paste movie I don't know but uh, I I try and get it just because it tickles me the fact that they paired it up with a horror movie and that's where I have the most fun where it's not paired up with an action movie where we get ninja action and actions paired up with ninja action and horror, and that's uh, uh, I'm sold per default almost. So that's my final note of it all. Do you have any other parting words or any other highlights you, you want to bring to the table? Ed? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think this shouldn't be your first IFD movie. Uh, don't introduce your friends uh, to IFD movies that way. But once you've got the hang of it, then 
you'll find this one a little bit more comfortable. Uh, so let's uh, go for the availability then, because uh, you can possibly get this uh, legally or not on disc, but uh, this is the availability I bought and had uh, the Greek full-screen VHS transferred to a DVD-R, so that's where what I own. And there's at least one disc release out there by Video Asia that's, as Ed alluded to, is called... Uh, well, I don't think you said it, but the, uh, the disc release itself is called Tales of Voodoo Volume 2, where Diamond Ninja Force, as Ghost Ninja on the cover, is uh, paired up with a movie called Primitives, starring Indonesian actor Barry Prima. Or Prima. Uh, Video Asia, I think, is not necessarily at all times putting out legit releases, but... Uh, no. Or, or maybe never. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure never. But you can actually. But you can actually find their stuff in Best Buys and and so forth. And uh, you know, if you if you find it, then then there's no harm in in chilling out. You know, a buck or two for it. Uh, I don't know if the other movie is a classic or not, Primitives, or even if it's called Primitives originally. Do you know that offhand? That one I don't know. I don't have that particular edition of it. Mine is. Uh, mine was released by, uh, I think it's called East West Video, and it's also a double feature, but with Shogun's Ninja starring Sonny Chiba. And what I particularly find interesting about that that release, uh, again, it's under the title Ghost Ninja, and it claims that the film stars Sho Kusugi, you know, the the king of American ninja cinema in the 1980s, and. That baffled me for a while, and you know, it's not unusual for some of these films to claim that they star somebody that it doesn't. Um, Jackie Chan shows up as the star of so many movies that he's not actually in. Um, but what I realized is that what they're keying off of is the fact that this film was also released on VHS by, I think it's Transworld Entertainment, as part of the Shokusugi Ninja Theater uh-huh. line, where Shokusugi would do... Um, introductions to a bunch of movies and do some ninja weapons demonstrations and then say and now we present one of the greatest kung fu films <laughs> but he doesn't say what it is because they just filmed a whole bunch of these and just yeah. stuck them on the front of whatever film and uh so since he does an introduction to a film in a particular release uh this film stars show kasugi even though that introduction is not on this release i saw also a cover that might have been for uh, either this one or Ninja Commandments, where uh, they had partly an image on there that looked like it was from either a Sonic Chiba movie or a Shokasuji movie. Uh, looked like uh, a ninja uh, looking more like uh, uh, having a like a metal mask on, akin to Shredder, if you will. It's from a famous movie that particular image, but they spliced that in. Uh, like in a like a strip at the bottom, they splice that in as uh, trying to make the release a bit more harder than the ninjas, the Diamond Ninja Force of the Ninja Commandments uh, art uh, made it look. But uh, that sounds interesting. I think that sounds to me like the uh, the artwork for Pray for Death, starring Shokasugi. It, it might be that yeah, I've never seen a movie, but it's, it, that that art kind of pops. Like, hey, that's from something famous, you know, rather than something generic and standard from from some public domain library. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, by the way, there's no widescreen elements of uh, Diamond Ninja Force out there. Uh, widescreen trailers exist. I've seen one uh, in French, but uh, no home video release in 
uh, in widescreen exists in France or Germany or Greece. Uh, I don't know if Japan ever bought the Diamond Ninja Force. They bought a, a, fair, a fair amount of IFD and Filmark movies, somewhere widescreen, somewhere not. So there's a slight chance that this got a wide print on uh, Japanese VHS. Uh, but uh, it was more likely that the Filmark releases that were presented on Japanese VHS were widescreen. IFD were seem more... Uh, like a company that didn't care to keep uh, transfers of the wide materials and uh, film arc were. But uh, then again, I recently found out that Ninja Destroyer with uh, Bruce Barron uh, turned out to have a um, full widescreen release in Japan. And um, so there is a chance that Diamond Ninja Force exists out there in a better version. And I'd pick it up in a heartbeat just to see uh, just to see the full scope of it all. And uh, I doubt it if it would be improved upon. But uh, hey, everything deserves uh, deserves widescreen if uh, if it can get it. So, uh, but that, that's us for Diamond Ninja Force. We are taking a break, and uh, we obviously either in the break or <laughs> amidst the review, we'll have. Louis Roth or Louis Roth's dubber from Ninja Commandments recite the Ninja Commandments. There actually are ones that are used for at least one movie, i.e. this one, and we'll talk about after a break. Ninja Commandments from Welcome back and the final review of this episode is Ninja Commandments from 1987, a plot from my review of the film. Uh, this is one of the more easily, you know, summarized IFD movies. It's not very complicated. It's not filled with characters and uh, motivations that are completely muddled uh, after IFD uh, gave it their re-editing, uh, re-editing uh, uh, job, if you will. But um, Let's uh, talk of Rodney and Janet. <laughs> and this will forever tickle me, that the, the fact that these are called Rodney and Janet. They are not dumb names. I'm not saying Rodney is a dumb name, that Janet is a dumb name. It's just very dumb in the context of this movie that the Oh Chun Hong and Elsa Jung characters are called Rodney and Janet. So they are, but they have been banished from the Ninja Clan after breaking the Ninja Commandment, stating you can't have sex before marriage. And they are about to, over the course of 30 to 40 years, suffer the consequences of not following the ninja commandments. Meanwhile, and here's where it gets bizarre, so bear with me. Over the course of 30, 40 years as well, the ageless ninjas, Gordon, Richard Harrison, and Stuart, Dave Wheeler. Anyway, Stuart wants the position as ninja master of the Silver Ninja Empire. And it's not even the Golden Ninja Empire this time. I think it's the Silver Ninja Empire. And uh, he wants the position of that after the head ninja steps down. And the head ninja is played by Lewis Roth. But uh, Stuart, he wants power so badly to the point where he kills the master. Therefore, Gordon needs to avenge his master over the course of 30, 40 years uh, as uh, the characters uh, Rodney and Janet age, and uh, Richard uh, doesn't. 
they never explained this. I'm sure if they were aware of it, but, but just said or adhered to the Ed Wood kind of uh, way of thinking, as he says in the movie. You know, filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. So there it is. <laughs> uh, it's sloppy. Even I can admit that. It's not to be applauded. I'll tell you that much, Ed. A ninja must learn to face all difficulties in life and pass through all hard times. Uh, but... Uh, Again, I'm. I love it when the IFT formula, at least in concept, uh, was widely, you know, when the genres were widely different as they were paired up. And this one is as well. We got ninja action and a Taiwanese harsh melodrama, <laughs> you know. And uh, it's really an epic tale. Obviously, it's been set over. 30 or 40 years uh, so Richard Harrison, Lewis Roth, Dave Wheeler, Elsa Jung and Oh Chun Hung occupy this uh, this uh, masterpiece if you will uh, and we know the source movie thanks to a blog post by Jesus uh, Molina uh, way back and it's uh, a 1981 melodrama called Ma Don't Die on My Back made in Taiwan directed by Chen Jun Kwan Spoiler she dies on his back. It's a it's one of the very descriptive titles where you know you realize after a while that it's a, it's a plot to, uh, it's a, actually part of the plot as well. So um, and uh, <laughs> it's it's so amusing to talk about this. Ninja intrigue does its thing alongside this tale of doomed former Ninja Clan members and uh, uh, that blog post that features a screen call, uh, screenshots from the original Taiwan version there will uh, link to on the Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles uh, blog because again it's worth highlighting the source movies when they are known and confirmed to give them their voice if you will and I'm obviously a great fan of Taiwanese movies of this time so uh, that that's, that means something to me uh, that uh, the source movie is confirmed that, that it gets a uh, shout out a ninja's life must never be corrupt. It must be free from greed and materialism. Uh, so that's the background. We have some background, but let's go into the movie. Ninja Commandments, Ed. Uh, what do you think of it in short, this uh, special uh, mixture? I hate it. I hate <laughs> this film. I hate it. Um, now, on, in, in fairness, I actually I quite enjoy all of the ninja stuff. There's, there's so much silliness um, that is... Uh, very entertaining, but it's few and far between. And the source movie Ma Don't Die on My Back is dreadful. It's a it's an intense melodrama for sure, and uh, a few aspects of it therefore entertain me. <laughs> that it goes for it as hard as it does, and and the fact that they're called Rodney and Janet will always tickle me. The sheer disregard for logic. Uh, again, ageless ninjas, characters aging very much in in the original movie, uh, and. Uh, you know, as merged, it's special that these two genres were merged um, to me anyway. I've re-watched it three or four times, and I always find it entertaining because it's so... It almost seems like if they were kind of just forcing themselves to use every piece of property that they acquired, because I think they got a package deal or two from Taiwan rather than picking movies, you know, specifically, and uh, but I think they got some bulk, and they thought like, we can't waste our our investment. We gotta use it. Therefore, put it to use. And uh, and and it's uh, by the way, it's not actually credited credited to Godfrey Ho. It is is so to say directed by Joseph Lai. And I was wondering, have you ever heard any rumblings of the fact that Joseph Lai ever stepped on set and did directing himself? 
No, he didn't. He, um, to my understanding, his name may have been placed on it, but it was usually one of his assistants, uh, Godriho included, who uh, would direct these films. But for whatever reason, Joseph Lai chose to stuck to stick his name onto them. This is the one I'll be rem- remembered for. <laughs> yeah, goodness gracious. Now, now one of the things. Um, it's probably worth kind of giving a little bit more of a rundown of what actually happens in this uh, a painful melodrama. But uh, the gimmick here is that uh, Rodney and Janet, they, they have a child, but uh, before they do, uh, Rodney gets uh, framed for stealing and goes to jail and then for whatever reason chooses never to see his wife and child again. And so his wife, uh, Janet, raises the child on her own um but when he's just a baby uh there's a fire she rescues uh her son um but the fire badly burns her face and so for whatever reason she chooses um to pretend that she's not his mother but rather the maid and that his mother is dead. I even missed that during this third or fourth viewing that she did that for some reason, because it almost came as a surprise to me during the end, where he finds out in adult years that, oh my god, ma! Ma! <laughs> exactly, and so uh, I, I think it's because she's sort of shunned because she's ugly now, and uh, her son grows up hating and resenting her and treating her like garbage because i guess she was apparently the maid and she's ugly and uh it's embarrassing when she brings his lunch to school and all the people uh gawk at her and so uh grows up uh treating her like garbage she doesn't tell him the truth for no apparent reason and decides to be meek and a really kind of cruddy parent uh the child runs away grows up to be a uh taiwanese star i forget his name uh, is credited as Eagle Lee. I'm not sure that was his English name or IFT's English name, but he's Lee something. Uh, uh, right. He's, he's in a fair few of these movies. Uh, Lee Siu Fei, uh, Eagle Lee, or uh, Sean Lee even, uh, in, in our places. There you go. And uh, uh, and then sort of finds out, eventually finds out some of the truth, uh, just as, spoiler alert, um, his mother dies and his father hangs himself after after he's already said, hey, I found you, and it's great, and the dad's like, eh, screw it, I'm hanging myself. It's just it's just awful, and everybody treats everybody terribly. It's a really distressing movie, if uh, I'm being honest. Too. And I, the, the intensity and frequency it uh, takes itself to, I, I kind of look at that because I'm so used to melodrama being so shouting and screaming but this one takes it to these dark distressing levels that I'm, I'm looking at it in a kind of fascinating way that I'd like to see this on its own but I, I can't recognize that it's not a very good movie but I, I, I gotta hand it to Elsa Young she um, who plays the mother she uh, gets into this uh, she uh, is not afraid to throw herself into this dramatic role and uh, she was not known for getting or taking dramatic roles she was an action queen you know you see her as lead in challenge of the lady ninja she's uh, the co-star of uh, a life of ninja and uh, various other taiwanese um, action movies she's in golden queen's commando too you might have seen her there as this uh, uh, she carries a bible she's an expert um, at uh, shooting shooting a gun and she's uh, dressed up like she's part of some 80s new wave uh, synth pop group uh, and golden queen's commando is this almost uh, they merge 
like characters from different eras almost in a weird kind of manner despite it being a world war ii movie it's uh, it's quite silly uh but uh, yeah it, it's not unfair it's not an unfair verdict on the movie but i'm, I'm kind of looking at it and feel i feel fascinated in some in some respects but uh, we'll, we'll probably get back to that a little bit uh, i want to talk uh, the ifd uh ifd footage and i i always quote that Richard Harrison, you know, looks, uh, quotes a rubber jokes that in some movies he looks so dead in the eyes that he looks obviously almost like stoned and embarrassed and wants to die uh, as he sits and does his footage. From this movie, we, we got a quite a famous still where he just looks like he wants to kill himself and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he look half asleep and kind of just kill me now. I don't want to do this. If if you look at Ninja Commandments, yeah, he's not lighting the screen on fire or anything, but he's not he's he's engaged at least partly, you know, as he, you know, executes the standard revenge script that is laid before him. But uh, you know, the, the the production stills are a lot more hilarious on that tangent that Richard, at some point, working for IFD, completely disengaged and just waited for it to be over. A ninja should show no mercy when carrying out his duties. I, I think he's really only bringing it when he's being angry, and I suspect that he's just pretending that his opponent is Godfrey Ho. <laughs> yeah, Stuart Godfrey Ho, you know, Dave Wheeler in this case, so yeah. Uh, we heard a bunch of times in these movies, you know, you're born, you're born a ninja and you die a ninja. And that's kind of the end of it. Uh, that's the sole commandment. Here it's expanded. It's IFD took five minutes, maybe, or even ten, to write commandments to be uh, read on screen by Louis Roth's uh, head ninja master character. As uh, we see the movie, you know, pass us and various drama happens, we see Louis Roth read these commandments on screen, as you will hear during the episode. And I'm not trying to excuse IFD when I talk of this, but if you watch a lot of these movies, this is a kind of break from the norm, like an idea that I never expected IFD to do, a, a semi-religious angle, only a ninja-religious angle, if you will. And I don't mind it at all. It's a lot of fun to hear the ninja commandments, uh, whether they're actually... Super original or not, I can't say now, but and I don't remember them offhand, but I, I love the fact that they're even in a movie at IFD. A ninja must be generous and ready to forgive. By when uh, when Rodney and Janet break uh, the first ninja commandment by having sex before marriage, uh, their punishment isn't just exile to another film, <laughs> but specifically the master takes their ninjutsu away. I guess you can just do that. We never see it on screen, and that's that's what it is. You know, we never see them even vaguely trying to attempt to interact with the other movie. I think Richard, it's, it said in the beginning that uh, uh, something has been uncovered in Japan, and uh, whatever it was, some kind of sword or whatever, and he asks, can I go see Rodney and Janet on the way? You may. But he never, because he's way too occupied trying to uh, take revenge uh, for, for his master, so there's no... Obviously, no phone conversations. There's no sit- sitting in the same room uh, talking uh, with the movies, talking with each other, so to say. And I re- it's really two movies to me. This has zero percent, like, uh, solid illusion that it's one movie. And that, therefore, I'm sitting there being a, cri- a critic of uh, two movies more 
than usual in this case because they they play so separately, and and even more so because uh, of the fact that it doesn't make sense that the characters grow old in the Taiwanese movie and the ninjas do not. I've never heard any rules in the movie universe that ninjas don't age. It just is in this movie. And uh, I don't know, I, I find that extremely entertaining that they never acknowledge that at all in the IFD footage. It's the unwritten ninja commandment. You don't age until you get your ninja to taken away. That's true. And that's all the explanation I need for me to be uh, comfortable and, uh, and, uh, and go on. Uh, I also... I don't know about you, what kind of cinema you find to be comfort fodder, uh, regardless if it's a genre or a particular country's cinema, but Taiwanese cinema for me is comfort fodder, and I'm a bit more forgiving towards many movies. I, I love this period in the late 70s and early 80s. Again, this is 1981. Uh, they made so many social realism movies, uh, female revenge movies, obviously crazy genres and dramatic uh, genres as well and uh, it's part of a period I like so much I'm, 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 pr- I'm probably a lot more forgiving uh, than most viewers because I, I just uh, find it to be comfort uh, fodder this, uh, these types of movies but uh, I, I'm not sensing though that uh, Ma Don't Die On My Back is sans ninjas this hidden masterpiece or anything but, but I do admire it for the fact that Elsa Jung got uh, at least one dramatic role during this time rather than uh, rather than uh, another action role, which is um, great. She was a very, very sexy woman and always wore these outrageous and very sexy costumes and movies, and uh, it's always uh, a joy to watch her. A ninja must always remember to keep a secret. No matter what the conditions, no secret may ever be revealed to an enemy. Uh, a, a brief career, too. And, and uh, I think a reason why the original movie fares less well in this one is the dubbing is atrocious. <laughs> for especially Rodney. Uh, oh Chun Hung, who plays Rodney, is a fantastic character actor that IFD just destroys by having Rodney be this whiny, he <laughs> doesn't sound like an adult, adult at all. <laughs> you know, oh my God. <laughs> that, that's like what, someone just smoked up in the IFD dubbing studio and just had a blast uh, in, and no regard for logic at all in terms of trying to make this grown-up sound like a grown-up. Well, in, in fairness, in the early part of the film where they're sort of happy and in love, he is kind of a spaz. <laughs> but I think it just—I think it ruins the rest of the movie. That oh my god, I went with that whiny kid dubbing for an actor I like. <laughs> you know, I really like Oh Chun Hung. You can see him in a bunch of movies. Island of Fire. He plays the prison warden in Island of Fire. And uh, a various amount of uh, movies. I think, though, if if you and I were to have Ma Don't Die in My Back, like, subtitled and intact in front of us, I don't think uh, we would have noticed much uh, different other than some additional scenes. I think they left this movie largely alone. There's no additional um, tweaking of the storyline. Or, or what do you think, Ed? Well, I'm hoping that there are some additional scenes that explain why for example, uh, the father never goes back to his family. And uh, there are a couple of other decisions that I, I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit of extra explanation for. But um, it wouldn't really help the movie, but it might explain a couple of particularly terrible choices in the film. Yeah, I, I, I can see that now, now that you're um, saying it, uh, the period where it gets uh, framed for a theft that he didn't commit. Uh, he sells junk on the streets or buys junk and sells junk and and uh, Ma Sha, or Tattooer Ma, is the local gang boss who sets him up. 
tattooer Ma might have been a name that IFD gave him because Ma Shah has uh, in real life a lot of tattoos uh, on him and he, he was in a, a fair amount of these um, cut and paste movies. He's the lead in uh, Ninja Operation uh, Night and Warrior or Black Ninja. Uh, that's Ma Shah, he's the lead in that one. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, but tattooer Ma is just a fantastic English name to to have, regardless if it was uh, something he picked uh, uh, before IFD got a hold of him, so to say, or not. What else is there to say? Well, uh, there is, you know, Richard obviously shot a lot of footage without context. You know, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and um, just say that you want revenge on him, and that's fine. I think the most wonderful piece of out-of-context footage that Richard ever shot, probably, was uh, the scene where he runs up a hill, presumably shot out in the new territories outside of Hong Kong. He draws his sword and he shouts, and he got an echo chamber on the soundtrack as well. Ninja! Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Ninja! Yeah, I mean, that was, and that was kind of a staple. There's a number of IFT films where. Richard Harrison or somebody does that very thing, and it's spectacular. It is spectacular, and uh, it's it, it's but but it, it's not given any context here either. It's just uh, something to cut to, to maybe fill the ninety minutes or eighty six minutes that this uh, this rounds. But it's glorious because he's not he's wearing one of those. Uh, I'm the worst at explaining what kind of clothes they wear and what they look at, but he's wearing one of those pieces where. It's it's white it's white underneath, but he has he's got some sort of glittery vest on as well, that that, mm-hmm. that doesn't look very nin, ninjutsui, uh, and it's I, I love that outfit. Uh, you, you you know what I mean? Did, did you ever have that? Um, did you ever want to put that in Ninja Mission Force? That kind of uh, combo, that glittery combo. Oh yeah, I, I mean we sort of do that, especially in the um, uh, first season. I think. Um... Uh, second season as well, we we try to put the we try to put the glittery vests, the colored glittery vests over some of the characters because it's just spectacular. If you kind of think um, also sort of like classic Mortal Kombat, uh, uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero, but instead of um, just a solid color, it's uh, sparkly. It's kind of like that. And uh, out of all nerdy details, one thing I didn't mention in Ninja Diamond Ninja Force at some point between that and Ninja Commandments. Someone finally had the idea of uh, putting ninja headbands on our actors because it appears finally in the, for the first time during this series, it finally appears in Ninja Commandments. We finally know what they are if we didn't based on the clothing. <laughs> and I, I believe that almost all of the headbands in Ninja Commandments are ones that I would go on to use in Ninja the Mission Force. Yeah, they were they weren't uh, they weren't like they didn't have like ten designs of it. It seems like it was one uh, one design. There's there's a few. There's the uh, they've got the um uh the the black one with um ninja spelled out in uh Japanese characters and the little ninja in the middle. And I think it says I think it says ninja in small letters underneath the little ninja figure. There's a skull one and um, there's one or two others. Scott, one I can't remember offhand, is always that Nin and then the, uh, the actual <laughs> cartoon of the ninja in between, and then Ja. Mm-hmm. So Nin, cartoon, Ja. <laughs> or drawing, rather. Um, you know, speaking speaking of the costuming, if I can jump in for a second, uh, uh, you know, there's the, the sparkly, spangly ninja outfits and so forth, but one of the uh, plot points in this film is that uh the the villainous traitorous ninja while 
Gordon is away, kills the master who is, for whatever reason, substantially younger than Gordon. Um, and that sort of thing comes up uh, occasionally in these films. Uh, and then takes over the Silver Ninja Empire and uh, changes uh, the ninja colors. And I'm not making that up. Gordon actually comes back and says, you've, cha- you've changed our ninja colors. Why have you done that? And he, they've changed it from white or silver, I guess, but it's white, uh, to ketchup and mustard. Yes. <laughs> it's, 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 re- it's red and yellow. And, uh, now, we're just kind of ex- now we're men. You kind of expect them to start singing, oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer ninja. <laughs> uh, and um, one of the other changes that he makes is that he brings in some ninja floozy- floozies. Yes. Um, uh, so we actually see some lady ninjas in the ketchup and mustard ninja colors, uh, which is extremely rare. You almost never see uh, female ninjas, but really they're just uh, – I think it's maybe just one, and she's constantly draped over the villainous ninja. I think yeah, plot-wise uh, she has a fight with uh, Richard, but uh, mm-hmm. how much the actual actress uh, – um, participated in that, I don't know. The only other movie, by the way, I can think of where they feature a, a female ninja it was actually Ninja Thunderbolt. I think the actual villain, the head villain, was a woman in Ninja Thunderbolt. So. Yep, yep, the final villain was female. And uh, and footage of that come, uh, crops up again in Ninja Terminator, but it's the same footage. Yep. <laughs> oh, poor Richard Harrison. Uh, the action in this one, I mean, when it does hit, it's uh, it's, it's always uh, enjoyable, as I said, to see these acrobatic feats because uh, it, is, it is skillful, uh, but it doesn't last for very long and doesn't make a huge impact or anything. But I'm, I'm glad to see that the focus is on, you know, having close-up of our non-able actors and wide shots of our able actors because, uh, goddammit, they made uh, these movies uh, memorable for a few seconds uh, here and there, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's comforting and kind of fun, uh, although not revolutionary action by any stretch of the imagination. No, but I, I will give them credit for doing a uh, ninja plot that is not a death list film and i think i like your your term for that you know uh death list i mean because there are so many of these that are death list stories yeah it's just killed the people in these photographs until the movie's over okay all right and that's that's when they got that's when the movies were usually at their laziest yeah exactly because they could get away with really short fight scenes and uh and no real plot to speak of yeah and i think that's also what i like about when the difference between IFD or rather Godfrey Ho and whatever filmmakers were doing stuff at Filmark. When I watch Filmark's movies, they were, yeah, many were familiar and kind of similar, yeah, but it never felt to me as calculated and as almost done in an automatic fashion compared to IFD. Filmark just kind of, they made extended finales sometimes with, you know, rockets on wires and mannequins blowing up, you know, almost a a five-minute action scene at the end of some movies. Um, So that's sometimes why I favor film arc of IFT, because uh, at least they um, tried for a little bit during the ending and uh, even dared to to come off as, uh, you know, hokey and cheesy by putting stuff on fishing wires really poorly and what have you. That's a fair point. I think usually by that that point, though, in those films, I kind of tuned out a little bit, so it didn't strike me as hard. But I think you make you do make an excellent point about some of those Filmark finales. And uh, Filmark obviously will get to that later in the series with Robo Vampire and what have you. Filmark were at their best 
when they were <laughs> when Thomas Tang had his uh, hard on for hopping vampires essentially uh, populating his movies with uh, ninjas and hopping vampires and Taoist priests and martial arts and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff uh, and sometimes letting their own footage uh, almost take over the entire film which is uh, fantastic uh, that's why Robo Vampire is so memorable because of the most footage we see is Phil Mark's own crazy footage and just a tiny bit of the like generic standard Thai movie so it's memorable in that regard a ninja must respect his parents and be loyal to his family. My final note, really, uh, why I remember Ma Don't Die in My Back again is because it goes for this just out of this world frequency through melodrama. They are shouting their lungs out, you know, off or what have you, during the ending where it comes to that fever pitch that you described earlier, Ed, where, where he eagerly has his Ma on his back and she's dying for whatever reason and the dad is about to commit suicide. They, it's almost nauseating in terms of how intense it becomes. Not affecting, but almost like, man, I don't think I can take it anymore. Oh my God, stop it, stop it. And finally it does. Cut to ninjas again, which it's the most hilarious cut in the whole movie. When we see Eagle Lee bust open the door, his dad has committed suicide, hung himself, cut to ninjas. And it's like, whoa, another movie? Because you... you it, it's so crazy to have these that this is part of the same movie. I, I just love that final cut to the finale. Uh, you know, the, the final cut, and there we get the ninja finale. It's it's outrageous that these movies were paired up, and uh, for that cut alone, that edit alone, it kind of makes it worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. It just tickles me. And and my my favorite line out of everything, out of anything that IFD has ever done. Again, it's so personal. But I just love it, and you'll hear it during the show. Uh, the f- the first line in the whole movie, where Louis Roth, uh, the late Louis Roth, uh, you can see him in a bunch of Hong Kong movies, Better Tomorrow 2, Drunken Master 2. Uh, he died uh, fairly young, actually. He, he he got sick. I've got some, uh, I've got cancer or what have you. Uh, but he says, as he has his ninja gathers up, You all may wonder where Rodney and Janet are. They have been expelled from our Silver Ninja Empire. What have they done, Master? They are guilty of having sex before marriage. And my jaw just hits the floor like Rodney and Janet, really? Those great ninjas, Rodney and Janet. You all may wonder, yeah, I do wonder, where are they? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are they called that? And we find out in the dialogue what happened to them, you know. Uh, so there you go. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's memorable. I, I mean, again, it's not the prime recommendation. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll put you on the spot here, Ed, but what, what would you pick in terms of your first three IFD movies to like present to someone who was mildly curious? Uh, one would be Ninja Terminator, I suppose, but what would be the other two to really show them why you love IFD movies? Uh, probably Ninja the Protector. For a third one, that would be kind of tough. Would you spring in Ninja Operation Night and Warrior on someone? Like the almost the almost full IFD movie with their own footage? See, here's the thing about that, is that, that is by, that's one of my absolute favorites. And the the thing about it is that you really get the full effect once you've been a long, long time fan, because they just throw in everything but the kitchen sink and all of the great IFD actors are in the same film and teaming up and it's I think it means more if you're more familiar with those people so I, I that that's when I'd hold off unless uh 
unless they said, you know, show me one that has more ninja stuff in it, or else I won't be your friend anymore. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, it's on YouTube. Yeah, all right, I can I got, see it now. All right I've, I've got it. It's okay. Uh, all righty. That's the end of my notes. I'd, somewhere along the line, I, I mean, I, I'd recommend Ninja Commandments just because of the, the outrageous pairing with uh, a, a sort of slightly memorable want to see memorable melodrama and if you're into Taiwanese movies uh, then definitely like check it out if you want to see uh, something Elsa Jung did that wasn't action related I think it's worth uh, seeing this and uh, boy does it turn intense but uh, I, I, I gotta applaud them I, I thought by the way the burn makeup was uh, kind of effective to be honest I, I've seen a lot of crappy burn makeup in these movies and they, that one was um, I don't know if it's realistic but it, uh, it made me kind of uh, flinch every now and again Ninja must be totally committed to his clan and let go of all external allegiances. Any other notes, Ed, or do you want to put this one to bed? Um, I think that uh, I think we've covered it. All right. A lot more coverage than this movie maybe deserved, but definitely it doesn't have that much coverage, and uh, therefore I'm glad to, to give it uh, a thorough examination, a critical examination, and uh, uh, because uh, even the crappiest movies deserve <laughs> some slight like mix of seriousness and fun and info if you will and i think we we provided that and as for availability i think uh, I'm, I'm not sure there's a there's a disc release of this so unofficial or not have you seen it at all pop up on some dvd uh, some 1050 movie collection or or by itself Ed? no my understanding is that it's never had a disc release it did have a vhs release uh, during that whole boom and it's got a really nice cover and so forth but not a disc. Mm. Yeah, it's a. I've always seen. Um, I've always had a download of it. Uh, that's as uh, much as I've uh, found. And uh, there's only a full screen uh, cropped uh, print in circulation. Uh, same kind of uh, fate that the Diamond Ninja Force has. I've seen a German widescreen trailer, but uh, that's it in terms of those elements. And um, I don't think uh, it's uh, bound to be improved uh, anytime soon. I would love to see it. Uh, I always like when the frame opens up, even for these uh, movies, but um, that's uh, all there is out there. So if you want to find it, uh, I don't think it's uh, in full on YouTube, for instance. So I had to download my version, as I said, personally. So what are you going to do when there's nothing else out there? And somewhere, somewhere out there, there is a VCD of Ma Don't Die on My Back, um, but that's also full screen. And uh, no subtitles at all, I believe. So I mean, if you if you understand ah. Mandarin, if you understand Mandarin, that's uh, that's all obviously perfectly sufficient. But uh, but yeah, there, there was at least a VCD in uh, in Taiwan. So um, next time, kind of up up in the air in terms of the exact programming of uh, of uh, the next episode. But we'll we'll touch upon the latter stages of IT when Godfrey Ho was reportedly gone in the 90s. Godfrey Ho at some point left IFD to pursue uh, filmmaking of his own. He made actual movies, actual, you know, girls with guns movies like uh, Princess Madame, Angel Enforcers and what have you. But Joseph Lai didn't uh, pack it up or anything. No, no, no. He picked up on the fact that kickboxing was now a trend. He probably saw that uh, either Bloodsport or Kickboxer, Jean-Claude Van Damme's movies, uh, kind of uh, made a splash. So all of a sudden now, for a while, for a year or two or three, they were a kickboxing action cut and paste company, not alongside making ninja movies. They abandoned ninja movies completely and made kickboxing movies. And therefore, we'll definitely review Kickboxer King, which is obviously uh, stars a bunch of Westerners in kind of a generic, uh, generic kickboxing plot, paired up with a Panna Ritikrai directed and insane Thai action movie as its source. Uh, pre 
doing uh, stunt coordination for Ong Bak, uh, Panaritikrai, directed a, a handful of low-budget action movies with a bunch of, uh, a group of rather willing stuntmen. <laughs> they, uh, they definitely were inspired by Hong Kong, but also definitely did their own thing because they took some dangerous death wish type of falls, you know, in these movies. And the original movie that Kickboxer King uses showcases that splendidly. And uh, that's why the Source movie is uh, the stronger one in that case. And uh, it's also released in full under a retitle, which is Thai Police Story. So it's on DVD uh, uh, in some shape or form, uh, English dubbed in the US. So you can see the full movie. Uh, so there'll be lots of laughs and uh, lots of ouch. So I suppose uh, as we watch... Two filmmaking teams combine into one as uh, as these movies as these movies go these uh, cut and paste movies and um, for our second review if we can find it I want to talk uh, Kickboxer the Champion because th- this is special I've heard it's again uh, a modern setting for the kickboxing plot but it's paired up with either a first world war or a second world war set martial arts movie that Joseph Lai originally produced it's called The Magnificent. I have it on DVD, the original movie, and it doesn't seem like a fit I, in terms of eras to pair it up with uh, with the kickboxing footage. I don't think they made themselves a World War One or two kickboxing movie. They just put old footage with new footage and just just did it, you know, just to do it. Uh, but they had the movie. It's one of the cases where. Joseph Lai had ownership of the movie anyway, so they they reused what they had and uh, they didn't probably didn't need to pay anything. They just had the magnificent line there, and uh, and if you're interested, Ed, I'll certainly supply you therefore with um, the original movie if you want to see how the source movie plays out versus the kickboxing re-edits. Absolutely, and I, I I know I've heard of that one. Was that one of the uh, the one shot in Korea? It might have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Carter Wong stars in it. Chen Sing, Casanova Wong, yeah, lots of good mm-hmm. great people. And Crash Cinema put out a great widescreen print of the original subtitled version, so uh, it's very very watchable. The original, therefore, uh, but it just sounds insane that they pair up their modern footage with that one. Uh, you know, it's not a dynasty movie, but it's definitely 30, 40, 50 years earlier <laughs> in actuality. Uh, but if we can't find that, uh, I want to. I wasn't aware of this movie until recently, so I want to see Rings Untouchable at some point, uh, aka, <laughs> aka, and I don't think this might not be an official aka, but I've seen it on posters. Rings Untouchable, aka Robo Kickboxer. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think go with Robo Kickboxer? What is Rings Untouchable? But, but I want to see it because it has a robot versus a kickboxer in a ring on the cover. I'm sold. Who who wouldn't be? And I, I would like to think that this was influenced by Filmark's Robo Vampire or Devil's Dynamite because they had their Robo Warrior and their kind of Robo fight future warrior that was in Devil's Dynamite uh, and that, that was a few years earlier I think so Filmark uh, setting a trend IFD wanted to follow possibly so uh, but uh, yeah regardless these movies will be brought up um, but uh, if we can uh, we'll see which one will uh, will pair up for the third episode but uh, uh, that will be it uh, for now so uh, let's uh, go through the contact information again uh, this has been the Golden Ninja podcast on the Podcast on Fire Network uh, we have our website on podcastonfire.com. Find this show, all the bonus episodes, and all the other shows on there. Pick something you like. Uh, email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. 
like our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF Network. Join the discussion group, follow the link on that page. Tweet us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire, or just follow us. My writing and video reviewing, so goodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com. And my tweets, twitter.com forward slash so goodreviews. And uh, by now, of course, we are on iTunes, the Golden Ninja podcast, uh, either via its own feed or the big network feed and uh, rate and subscribe and uh, if you have the time please leave a, leave a written comment and tell us what you thought of the show we would love to hear from you and finally stream us via Stitcher if you don't like downloading podcasts to your preferred device you can stream us online but the smoothest way is to do that through the application available to your iPod, iPod, <laughs> iPod or iPhone or Android and uh, once you're in Stitcher type in the Golden Ninja Podcast to find us uh, the latest shows and add us to your favorites uh, that way. And finally, Ed, your plugs again. Absolutely. You can find um, my films and shows, including the IFD spoof Ninja, The Mission Force, at neonharbor.com. Also, I'm at facebook.com slash neonharbor and twitter.com slash neon underscore harbor. Excellent. Excellent. So that's us for Episode 2, thank you very much, Ed, and I hope to see you back to discuss some robo-kickboxing, hopefully, next one, uh, next episode. I look forward to it. I mean, I sold you, so I, I don't think you can stay away for, for, from at least that movie. No. <laughs> uh, but so that's us, and remember... I am the champion of the ninjas. is destined to be a ninja. Always keep in mind, to be born a ninja is to die a ninja.